0: Guys, I'm anticipating a lot tonight. My heart's racing because I know God's up to something. Let's keep it like this. Let's be in this together tonight. Let's anticipate and step into the full potential of what God has for tonight. Okay, so we've been in this series. We know it's called, What Was I Thinking?, I think a lot of us tend to ask that question sometimes here and there after embarrassing moments. Um, I'm a Disney freak, so I have to bring Disney into this. Frozen, raise your hand if you've seen Frozen. You know that scene. Okay, listen up. I have never related to a Disney princess on a more personal level than I have with Anna. When she said that line where they fell in the boat and she goes, you're not awkward, I'm awkward, you're gorgeous. Wait, what? What? I literally had a deja vu moment. I was like, I swear I have said that exact order of words to a guy in high school at some point. It was crazy, but we have moments like that, right, where we walk away and we were like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? But guys, the more real reason we're talking about what was I thinking, because I think a lot of us can own up to the fact that we've asked that question when it comes to faith. We've asked that question. We have things that we think about God but it's not always accurate. It's not always fully accurate, and that's why we've wanted to bring these truths to you guys. Like week one, we talked about the fact that God is more powerful than you guys think, and last week, he's more present than you think. Tonight, guys, tonight, tonight, we are gonna learn even more about truths of who God is. So guys, I'm calling you in more, okay? I have higher expectations of you tonight. I'm not gonna share a long, funny story. I'm not gonna show some video. I want you guys, to every single one of you, lean into this. Because I think every single one of you in this room needs this reassurance of the truth of who God is. So we're jumping right in. Please track with me. Please be in this with me. And I promise you that God has big things that he wants to do. So that first truth, there is a man who is awesome, he's a theologian, which means he studies God's word, and his name is A.W. Tozer. Weird name, I know, but he says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Guys, that is 100% true. How you think about God shows who you are and how you live. What you think about God reflects in how you live, and if you think that God is disinterested in you, you're gonna be disinterested in him. If you think that God is out to get you, you're gonna keep your distance. If you think God is just a good luck charm, you're only gonna ask for him before the big game. If you think God is demanding you're gonna, again, keep your distance. Maybe you're gonna feel bound to a life where you feel like you have to walk on a tightrope and live exactly right. Or if he's too demanding and you have a thing with authority, you're not gonna want anything to do with him or his rules or his commands. So let me ask you, I don't need an out loud response. I just want you to think about this. What do you think about God? What do you think about him when no one else is in the room? What do you think he's like? That he's waiting for you to mess up that he's like a disappointed parent. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Or maybe a distant relative that you only see every now and then at holidays that you don't really know on a personal level and maybe you don't even really know what to do with him. We could go on and on. I'm sure one, all of you in this room could pick out one of those that you tend to think about God at one point or another. And again, we could go on and on. There's a lot of ideas that we have about God but here's the good news. We have the Bible, his living, breathing word. And what better place to learn the truth and more truths about who he is. So I want every single person, every person in this room, get out a Bible. Whether it's under your own chair or behind or under the chair in front of you, get it out. Open it up. Have it on your lap. Guys, we're in this together tonight, all right? We're learning from God's word. This is important. And we're going to be in the book of Luke which Luke comes after, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament, chapter seven. So it's gonna be on page 1035. That's the page number. I want everyone, everyone, everyone in the room opening up your Bible. Have a Bible on your lap. 1035. You're welcome. Page 1035, Luke chapter seven. As you guys are opening up to that, I'm gonna read just the first verse and set up the story for you, okay? So we're in Luke chapter seven, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. All right, one verse down, let's set this up. Jesus is going to a man named Simon's house for dinner and Simon is a Pharisee. If you don't know what a Pharisee is, A Pharisee is a religious leader at this time, okay? And the Pharisees are notorious for being known for being really stuck in the rules, okay? They write rules, they enforce rules, and they follow the rules, which means they kind of don't know what to do with Jesus because they see him and they're like, he's way too concerned with loving people and not as concerned about the rules that they've made and the rules that they're trying to enforce. So they don't really know what to do with him. So we don't really know the motivation behind why Simon is inviting Jesus over to his house. It could be he was intrigued by him. He was curious about Jesus. Maybe he was trying to change Jesus and bring him over and have a talking to with him. But either way, Simon has invited Jesus to his house for dinner and Jesus has accepted. And so Simon, being a Pharisee, liking rules, having lists, doing things the right way, he's got the right people, he's got the right food, he's got the right atmosphere, ready to go. But then something happens. A person shows up, and let's just say that this person's not on the guest list. So I want everyone to look at verse 37. It says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When this says that she lived a sinful life, her life was wrapped up in sin, guys. Her life revolved around sin. And in context, it's a polite way of saying, guys, that she was a prostitute. I don't need reactions. I don't need out loud noise, anything. But that's the life she was living, And she was coming into the presence of God. So picture this with me, guys. Just picture this. This woman, this prostitute, enters the room. Everyone, everyone's looking at her because they know. They don't approve of that. They're rule followers. What's this girl doing here? She presses through the resistance, guys. She presses through and she stands behind Jesus. She's heard about this Jesus, guy this guy that they call Messiah, a savior, the son of God. She's heard the stories of how he's loved and healed sick and broken people, that she's loved sinners like her. She kneels down, guys, in his presence and pours out this perfume. And it says that it was in an alabaster jar. You don't know what that is, but that means it was really expensive perfume. Really, really, really expensive. And she pours it out on his feet and she begins to weep. Maybe she was thinking about what she did to get the money for that perfume, or she's thinking about the little girl that she used to be, or she's thinking about that gap of who she'd become and who she was hoping that she would be. And she's insecure, guys. She's been humiliated, embarrassed, unloved, and used up for most of her life. She wasn't invited to this party. The people at this party didn't approve of her or her lifestyle, but Jesus invited and welcomed her to himself. For the first time, this woman has felt loved and free, and she was so overwhelmed that all she could do was just honor him at his feet. She didn't even know what to do. She didn't know how, but she knew she had to honor him. She was overwhelmed. She'd never been loved or welcomed or received like that. So going on in the story, going on in what it says in scripture, Simon's watching all of this go down. The Pharisee, remember we talked about Pharisees, rule followers do it right, and he's appalled. Look at 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he thinks this in his own mind to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Guys, Simon is thinking, again, to himself, in his mind, silently. No one can hear him. He's not talking out loud. He just thinks, like, what is Jesus thinking? If Jesus knew who this girl was, he wouldn't let this girl touch him with a 10-foot pole. What is he thinking? Let's go on. Let's keep looking. Look in your Bibles. Jesus answered him. Pause. <laughs> again, look back up. Jesus answered him. He didn't talk out loud. He was just having a to-his-moment to himself, moment, thinking about it, thinking, what's this guy doing? And Jesus reads his mind and answers him. And this is what he says in the next few verses. Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon says, tell me, teacher. And Jesus tells this story. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love more? Okay, so denarii, guys, denarii is a cup of money. So basically, one owes a lot, one owes a lot less, neither can repay, both are forgiven. Which debtor loves more? Kind of, yeah, we'll get there. You guys know, you guys are answering, good job. We know the answer and so did Simon. Keep reading. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Jesus starts pointing out all the ways that this woman, this sinner did that the religious man didn't do. She wasn't worried about anyone else. All she wanted to do in that moment was honor God. In peace. I can like picture this moment. Jesus completely disregards everyone else. He disregards the disapproval of everyone else at that party. He locks eyes with her, locks eyes with her, holds her hands in his hands, and says, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Guys, I need you to catch this. I need you all to catch this. Jesus. Does not say, Jesus does not say that your works have saved you. No. Jesus does not say that your actions have saved her. No. He says her faith has saved her. Not her following a list of rules, but her faith has saved her. When you know Jesus and put your faith in him, you trust him to resolve your sin debt and you love him for it. What we see, guys, what we see in this story is something about God that I think a lot of us easily forget or take advantage of or don't even think about. And that is that God is more loving than we think and he invites us to receive it. Write that down. God is more loving than we think and he invites us to receive it. Guys, the Bible tells us that God is love. Love is his nature, it's his essence, it's what directs him in every action that he ever takes. It's because he is love, he embodies love. It's not just the fleeting emotion, guys, that he feels. God doesn't feel love, God is love. God equals sign love. When you experience love, when you allow yourself to feel love, you are experiencing the presence of God. It is who he is. Looking back for Simon, guys, this was a what-was-I-thinking moment. He was thinking, I mean, come on, Jesus, like, you've got to be a rule follower, like the rest of us put together religious people. You've got to be a rule follower. But what Jesus wants us all to know, what he wants Simon to know in this, is that God is more loving than we think, and he invites us to receive it. When we receive the love of God, when we allow ourselves to receive it, it transforms your life. So, in the time that we have left, guys, I want to go through two dimensions of life that when we invite God's love in, it will transform. We're going to let everyone stay. I'm going to let everyone stay in the room. You guys can stay. You guys can stay. I want you guys to stay, okay? Is that cool? I'd like for you guys to stay in here and hear this if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. There are two dimensions in your life that we're going to talk about. That when you let the love of God in, it's going to transform you. So please let that happen tonight, guys. And please don't hinder other people from letting that happen tonight. So the first one. God's love transforms insecure to secure. We've all got things we're insecure about. I don't need everyone to own up to it at once, but you can think about it. You can have things that you're insecure about. Insecurity is, is that little voice in your head that brings up your shortcomings or your weaknesses in exactly the wrong moment. Uh, for me, I've always been super insecure about my pale skin. I'm going to own up to it, be real with you guys right now. Super insecure about it. I always thought, and media kind of tells you, beauty equals tan. Tan skin. And I'm like, guys, summer, I love being in the sun, but sun does not like me. I am usually very pink, very lobster-like, but SPF 50 is my best friend. I'll just put that out there. Um, I don't get tan lines. I get less pale lines. Um, I've always been super insecure about it. And we all have things, guys. They can be appearance about yourself or just there are really deeply rooted insecurities in us. We all have them, unfortunately but it comes from an awareness of your weakness when you feel like you don't measure up. Guys, that's probably how this woman in this story felt when she walked into that room. All those people looking at her, knowing her past, knowing her lifestyle, and probably actually 100%, like I've said, disapproving of what she does, judging her as she's walking through. She probably felt so small, so insecure about her decisions, about the ways that she decided to live. But then she became overwhelmed by just the presence of Jesus before her and the fact that he didn't send her away. He saw, he knew her, he knew her story. He knew her decisions, he knew her insecurities. He didn't send her away. Because can I tell you guys something? God is fully aware Of your weaknesses. He is fully aware. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knew the worst parts of you when He made you, when He chose you, when He accepted you, and when He called you to Himself. He knows every part of you the good, the bad, the ugly and still He chooses you. He accepts you and He calls you to Himself. You are secure in his love. You don't have to impress people or seek approval because the one who has the power to give true approval already does. He already does. And you don't have to fear rejection, guys, because God has already accepted you forever. Forever. When you're standing in the classroom, locker room, living room, wherever you are, and those insecurities start to creep in, Ask God to fill you with his love. And here's the thing. I probably have a lot of you thinking, well, I've done that before and it didn't work. I've asked God to fill me and it didn't work. I didn't feel him. He, maybe he didn't fill you as you expected him to. God's love and who he is is much bigger than your narrow definition or your narrow expectation of what that needs to look like. It is so much bigger. It is so much deeper. Open yourself up, guys, because he's offering it freely. And just say, God, fill me with you. You are love. Fill me with you. Exceed expectations. He loves doing that. He loves doing that for his people. Ask you to ask him to fill you with his love. Guys, there is no insecurity that his love can't fill. There is no insecurity No insecurity that his love can't fill. Now, what Jesus is teaching Simon, the Pharisee, the list maker, the rule follower and enforcer, and what he's wanting to teach you as well in this is that there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do that'll make God love you anymore. So the second way that God's love transforms, God's love transforms striving for to resting in God's love transforms striving for to resting in we live in a world I say this a lot but we really do live in a world guys of superficial conditional love but God's love is unconditional we live in a world of conditional his love is unconditional you can't earn it and that's really good news It's really good news. The tragedy, guys, of so many Christian lives, and I'll own up to this, is that we spend our entire life trying to earn what has already been given. Walking that tightrope, feeling like we have to live life exactly right in order to keep God loving us. I think a lot of us in this room have accepted Christ, which means that we know that we don't have to earn his love, and then we turn around and try and earn his love. Again, I'll own up to it. I've done that. I have done that. I'm still learning that lesson. You can't earn your way into God's love, and you can't earn your way out of God's love. It is unconditional. It never ends. It is not dependent on decisions you make. You may waver. God stays the same, always. He is not motivated by the decisions you make. His love is unconditional. And there are probably some of you in this room that wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You wouldn't call yourself a Christ follower. And I'm so glad you're here. And I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I wanna say this to you too. You do not have to earn the love of Christ. You do not have to prove anything. You just have to accept it. You get to accept it. You get to say yes to him. So I want to ask a couple questions, and I want it to stay just like this, silent. I don't need you guys to answer out loud, and I know some of you guys sometimes get confused because you're like, why is she asking questions and not letting us answer? Let me just say this. There is so much power in silence, and I know our instinct sometimes is just just say it out loud. Tell someone. Tell someone our answer. We want to be the first one to answer. I want to answer that question. When you're talking, You can't listen, and I believe that as I'm asking these questions, I think God really wants to encounter some of you that are really used to talking, but the second you stop yourself and let yourself listen, I am praying in this moment right now that he will encounter you. So as I'm asking these, don't talk. Just sit in silence and just sit on these questions. First one, where are you insecure and trying to solve it for yourself? Where are you insecure and trying to solve it for yourself? There are posts everywhere that say, you can do it. No, you can't. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You can't because security doesn't come from being perfect yourself. Security comes from being loved by a perfect God. I'm gonna say that again. Security does not come from being perfect yourself. Security comes from being loved by a perfect God. How awesome is our God? How good is our God? That no matter how much we talk or disrespect a moment, that he doesn't expect perfection. He just wants us to choose him. Security comes from being loved by a perfect God. I don't have confidence in myself. I have confidence in God's love. God made me with pale skin. I'm going to embrace it. I don't have full confidence in it, but I know God gave that to me, so I'm going to rock it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I have confidence in God's love. Have confidence in God's love. Don't be so stuck on yourself. Be confident in the God who made you. Be confident in the God who loves you. That's where confidence and security come from. So, where are you insecure and in trying to solve it for yourself? Guys, like I was talking about earlier, how you don't have to earn it. Guys, trying to earn God's love is sideways energy. It's like, it's kind of like if you were to be, I'm just going to say car, I don't know if you guys are driving yet, almost. I'm just going to say you're given a free car, okay? You're given a free car, and then you spend all summer working a job to pay for the car. You don't have to pay payments on it. You don't have to pay for it. And you spend all summer working for it, dawn till dusk, working, coming home, overwhelmed, stressed, overworked for a car that you already have. You guys realize how dumb that sounds, right? It's the same thing with God's love. He is offering it to you. You don't have to work. You don't have to run around those thoughts in your head and try and figure it out receive the gift he's offering to you and the second question I want to ask is where are you striving that you need to start resting are you trying to earn God's love are you feeling like the second you step off the tightrope you're done take it from me guys I tried I've lived like that, where I felt like I had to walk on a tightrope and I had to bring everyone else on the tightrope. I felt I was a Pharisee for sure. I was pretty judgmental, and I felt like I had to stay here. If I didn't, I was outside of God's will, I was outside of God's love. It does not work. He's patient in that, He's not punishing in that. He simply just says, Stop. I'm here. I am here. I think one of the reasons we carry so much stress and worry and anxiety in this life is because we don't know, we haven't allowed ourselves to receive how loving God is. And if we find our security and our rest in our Father's love, guys, our Heavenly Father, we would be totally changed. God's love is the ultimate game changer. Imagine if you were fully secure and fully resting in God's love. What would that be like? Guys, I've had so many of you recently come up to me and I'm so glad that you have. I'm so glad that you guys feel like you can come up and talk to me. And you've talked to me a lot about strained or non-existent relationships with parents. There are a lot of you that probably want so badly to be able to just sit with your mom and talk about what's going on in your life or you want your dad to just be present, to be there, to be a part of your family or maybe you guys don't even live with your parents. I don't know but I think there are a lot of you in this room that have been working so hard to finally have one of your parents, your mom or your dad just finally approve of you Or maybe you've been working so hard just to get that approval of people at school. You've been trying to be the best. You've been trying to be the best student. The best athlete. The best person. The best behaved or the worst behaved just to get their attention. The love of a parent, guys, is an honest and true desire for you to have. But that is not what's going to fulfill you. God's unconditional love that he offers freely to you is what's the only true thing that's going to fulfill you. You may not have the relationship with an earthly parent that you want, but you have a heavenly father that loves you so much. So much. He approves of you. He has plans for you. He has a potential for you that if you would just allow yourself to receive it, He has so much more for you than you could ever expect or anticipate. It's a journey. It's a journey to learn that, guys, but be reassured of that, okay? You have a Heavenly Father who loves you unconditionally and is waiting with arms open, inviting you to himself.